Welcome to the Cubby Chromecast. It's Friday, March 4th. I'm Brian Murphy. Doug Brizzoni is on assignment. So joining me this week, a very special guest, a co-host, Jen Mac Ramos. She returns to the show. She is a writer at Beyond the Box Score, BP Wrigleyville, Purple Row, and she is a member of the IBWAA. She's also a USC student. Jen is calling us, uh, contacting us from her car in between baseball games. Uh, she is uh, making time out of her day and her week, and appreciate you for coming back. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, of course. It'd be, it's great to be back. Um, you're not kidnapped, right? You're in your own car. This is not... <laughs> <laughs> no, I am in my own car headed down to Long Beach today. Okay, who are you seeing in Long Beach today? Um, I'm seeing USC in Long Beach State, um, getting a little um, interview work in for my capstone, um, also um, publishing it over at um, USC's uh, media outlet. That's great. Uh, talk a little bit more. <laughs> talk. I'm sounding like a bad sports interview already. What is a capstone for those who don't know, and what is, what's yours about? Well, Capstone is basically like my master's thesis. Um, it's a three-month-long reported project, um, and we all have to choose a topic, and we have to do like a lot of research and analysis. So basically, you know, you're you're a standard um, thesis, but with a lot of reporting done. Uh, mine is specifically on the NCAA and this new rule that was adopted by five conferences that allows high school players who are going to be who are committed um, to D1 schools to have agents and not jeopardize their NCAA eligibility. Um, but it's only in five conferences, so I'm looking more into that. Interesting. Only Division One, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, so if anyone listening knows of any high schoolers in this situation, they should contact you, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, that's that's great. Uh, have are you sort of working with a certain thesis in mind, or are you going to let that develop over time? Um, letting it develop is kind of just trying to find out the the why and the how it came about, and also seeing its effect on um, high school ball players and college ball players and just seeing what the effects might be from that. Well, great. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait to check it out. And definitely Jen at the end of the show, will give you all of her links again so you can follow her along. Jen is also, <clears throat> also, I want, I want to get back to something that I missed the last time you were on the show. You're mm-hmm. one of the original sort of McCovey Chronicles commenters. And yes. we, didn't, we didn't even touch on any of that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think my SB Nation accounts did. It dates back to like 2007 or 2008. I mean, you're you're ingrained. You're in the DNA of SB Nation, essentially. Yeah, uh, that's how far back you go. But I mean, for those of you who are in the newest, latest generation, you're only you're new to the site because the World Series wins. Uh, when someone say someone posts a link to the latest article that's been posted, and they say chop. That's because of you. Yes. <laughs> uh, my old username used to be Walk Off Baltimore Chop. And I used to get left behind in the old game threads because I would always somehow miss the new link. <laughs> always. It, I, th- I always, thought you were without kidding. Without fail, like every game. <laughs> without fail, even in the World Series games. <laughs> and so they, they would say, don't get chopped or, well, yeah, exactly. And then they would 
and that would be it. But that's why that's in there. And I just, and, and it's kind of that thing though. We, we, a lot of us, and you were there before me even, um, way well before me. Um, but I mean, it's kind of weird how it cycles into your life and then it cycled out. Yeah. Uh, that used to be such a big deal for me, like every game thread and even not the game, thread, just having it on in the background all day. Yeah. Um, Basically, all you new people have made it terrible. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, <laughs> it's a bad joke. Uh, but this does kind of lead me into um, what I what I think we should talk about, uh, and that is, mm-hmm. I know it's what you were hoping to talk about when you agreed yeah. to join me today, and that is this is the 10 year anniversary of the 2006 <laughs> Giants. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who who remembers the 2006 Giants and who wants to talk about them? Did you know that the player with the highest war on that team was Jason Smith? <laughs> I didn't, but at the same time, I'm not completely surprised. Barry Bonds played in 130 <laughs> games and was not the most valuable player on the Giants. He was the most valuable player on the Giants. Let's not kid ourselves. Oh, of course. <laughs> I... That 2006 team, I honestly barely remember it. I remember starting high school that year, no, the, a year before. So I was just. You were deep in high school mode. High school mode. And um, yeah, and that was just when I started getting into baseball. Um, so kind of remember it, kind of don't. Um, but I do remember some parts of it, like Jason Schmidt and Armando Benitez. <laughs> so, Armando Benitez, that's right. That was the year where that all finally came to a head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't remember Armando Benitez, first of all, I, I, I think you're very lucky, and I wish I could switch <laughs> places with you. Second of all, Armando Benitez is probably the worst free agent signing Brian Sabian ever made. Uh, which he, he did he was, his job. Yeah, that is an Armando Benitez line. But if you didn't know, it's not a Brian Sabian line. I'm pretty sure if you got Brian Sabian drunk, he would, he would have some words to say about Benitez. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Benitez was notorious even before he joined the giants of sort of having these blowups in big spots. And for the giants, it just felt like, and this doesn't this, the numbers don't exactly totally back this up, but it just seemed like every spot was a big spot, <laughs> and he would blow up constantly. But he he was yeah. so bad, he just was asked what his deal was, and he said, "I did my job," which was yeah. he got three outs, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it, after the save had been blown. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nowhere near the drama that Brian Wilson used to cause, <laughs> but it. Oh, imagine every Brian. Every, imagine every 2010 Brian Wilson save ending as you feared. That was basically exactly. every that's Armando. Benitez. Yeah, yeah, that's basically Armando Benitez. Uh, and and he had that just a straight fastball. It was just a straight oh, yeah. fastball. It was. Oh man. <laughs> and I oh. believe 20 or 2006. I mean, Matt Cain was 21 years old. I'm pretty oh, sure. That, I'm pretty sure. Such a baby. I'm pretty yeah. sure that that was the year. It was his first full season, and I'm pretty sure that was when all the stuff about Matt Cain's not an ace, 
And yeah, that yeah. was like uh, Matt Cain, third starter at best. That's right. Like that narrative started then. And uh, and then the next two seasons when he won a combined 15 games, despite having like, you know, a, he had an ERA plus. In 2007, it was 123. In 2008, it was mm-hmm. 117. He was great. Uh, yeah. But yes, 2006 is also uh, uh, Felipe Alou's last season. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was kind of a transitional year. I kept thinking it yeah. was... I kept thinking it was the Ryan Klesko year. Oh. Um, years. But it, was, it actually, um, it was actually the uh, Shea Hillenbrand year. Ah. <laughs> Which might be worse. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Shea Hillenbrand was a guy who was good, and the Giants traded for him to bolster their offense. And I think he yep. was the start of a string of, we need to get power somewhere because yeah. we don't know how to draft it and uh shea hillenbrand i think that ended with uh aubrey huff so he was the yeah. start of the chain <laughs> <laughs> oh man so you were in high school you had just started high school and i had mm-hmm. that was my age 25 year of life <laughs> and i remember 25 being that sort of i'm not i'm an adult but really yeah. a number only I remember yeah. 25 being fun because it was like, okay, I have all the energy and stupidity of a teenager and I have just enough awareness and responsibility to be considered an adult. It was a nice mesh. So baseball to me kind of fell in the background. It also helped that the Giants were, were pretty bad and we yeah. knew they were going to be bad going in. Yeah. I don't think I felt any hope with the Giants until like 2009-ish. Like, that late run that they were making for a wild card spot. But then, you know, um, the Rockies came and killed that. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember two, that very well. So, yeah, 2009, to me, I remember that they were... Uh, I didn't think that they were going to be good until they kept hanging around. Not yeah. that... I, I think everyone kind of went in that season kind of not certain... Uh, but then it started, the pitching held up, and it's like, oh, my God, the plan's actually working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, for the Giants, that was the first time in a long time where it wasn't like, oh, it's just Barry Bonds. Um, yeah. That was also Steve Finley's last full season. So that was the year that they traded for Steve Finley. I forgot yeah. about that as well. Also, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> uh, Steve Finley, who just two years prior had beaten the Giants, Killed the, destroyed the Giants. <laughs> uh, with I, the I remember that far better than Stephen Lee being on the Giants. <laughs> I was there. I remember it oh, very well. Man. <laughs> uh, it was also Ray Durham's. Um, uh, well, Ray Durham had a very good year. I loved Ray Durham. That was like one of the best yeah. teams the Giants ever had. Um, yeah, that wasn't a bad move at all. And I thought solid. Yeah, I thought that was the year that they traded him, but that didn't happen until. 2008 so i mm. keep i keep getting those years jumbled but it was a bad time of giants baseball it, it really was uh that was the, i mean the end of felipe alou's tenure uh it, it didn't turn into a total crap fest but it certainly mm-hmm. felt like it in a lot of ways yeah um especially with like matt kane and lincecum coming up those two years and those were like the small glimmers of hope but then the rest of the team just couldn't be as good as them and handed them a lot of losses, and you would just be, like, really mad watching on the TV and yelling, great, you guys couldn't get 
Timmy another win, or you could guys couldn't get Matt Cain a win. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look up uh, Jim Brower's usage for <laughs> for this season because Felipe Alou and the two of them are inextricably linked in my mind. But see again, this was uh, this was so foggy in my recollection, or it all blends together. Yeah. And, um, he wasn't on the team that year. Uh, <laughs> Matt Morris was on the team though. Oh so, man. Um. <laughs> So I, I don't know. It's just uh, very strange. Oh, Noah Lowry. That was probably low. Ah, uh, yeah, Noah Lowry's uh, last Noah. year, I think. Yeah. Or one of the last few times he was in a Giants uniform. That was a big McCovey Chronicles thing. Uh, yeah. Because no, he had one more year. That so it was okay. 2007. See, those two years I do get confused. I really thought that Bonds breaking the record was in 06. It's in 07, and like yeah, just. Those two years, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now, what year was the year when Noah Lowry played um, right field? I, I'm blanking on that. Was that it... seems like it was the 2007 mess. So... Yeah. I, I keep getting those two years mixed up. It was. So... it was. Yeah. It was 2007. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I keep getting those two years mixed up just because nothing really, really stands out except for all the weird and wacky Things. Was that the same game where Felice plays catcher? Yes. Okay. So I'm trying to load that game log, and Baseball Reference is basically telling me it's not happening. But <laughs> uh, the, this game never happened. <laughs> but, I, yeah, it's it's certain things I can remember very clearly, and then there's just that swath of games where I just can't, can't think about it. I, I guess it's just the Giants were hoping they would be good, but kind of knew they would be bad. Um, yeah. Even the, from the top down, it's a very strange situation for everyone to be in. I think and it's it's so different from today, where now you're you're banking on them being good, which I've said many times. I'm not really, uh, I'm not a fan of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> knowing that they're gonna or expecting them to be good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, okay, so. <laughs> I was trying to find the game where he plays in the outfield, and uh, oh, so it was against the A's, and it was in it was June eighth. That's the ah. game everyone wants to uh, wants to see, and of course it was a loss. And, of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, Pedro Feliz. <laughs> Sorry, he was just. Uh, I was just looking at uh, how many times he gets at how many at bats he has. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so. Next segment, I'm just moving on right now. Um, actually, to go back real quick. So, in that game, <laughs> this is a fun game to look at, which yeah. I think we do on the site every so often, but mm-hmm. Chad Gadan started for the A's. <gasps> oh, Chad Gadan. Yeah. Santiago Casilla uh, came in after Jay Marshall blew a save, but uh, <laughs> and Alan Embry got the save in that game. So three three Giants played in that game, uh, former Giants, on the A's. The Giants had Lincecum start. He did not do well. And then Jonathan Sanchez relieved him. <coughs> Randy Messenger, Steve Klein, Kevin Correa, Jack Tashner, Brad Hennessy. That is a very 2006 or 2007 list. That's a Giants team I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just reminded of that um... – meme on the site, uh, Special Agent Jack Tashner. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at Kevin Correa's uh, 
Kevin Correa seems like a guy who should be back on the Giants, and they signed yeah. him to a minor league deal, I believe. Um, yeah, at one point. So <laughs> I was checking to see, like, was he gone and then came back in '06? No, he he actually pitched 69 nice innings for the Giants in 2006. Very nice. Yeah, in 2006. So this fits back with the theme. Um, uh, yeah, but Kevin Correa, he was. Uh, if you're young enough, you probably don't realize this, but Kevin Correa, I'm speaking to the crowd, not you, Jen. Kevin Correa yeah. was once once in kind of the same hope line as Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain. Like, he w- he predates them as, like, the next oh, yeah. big thing. Um, Kurt Ainsworth was in that line, and there was one other guy who I'm totally blanking on right now, but they're, they're, those were the main guys who the Giants were excited they about. They were supposed to be the hope. The of hope. the team. That's right. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk about the hopes of another team. Uh, this is a segment we're debuting just for the spring training. Um, it might be a little early, but at the same time, uh, maybe it's it's a good thing because that means a lot of raw materials to sort through as spring training progresses. And if you're so interested in keeping track of a Giants opponent, uh, so this is Know Your Foe, and this week we're going to focus on the Colorado Rockies. Yes, they are a baseball team in the NL West. And Jen is essentially our, um, you're our expert on the Colorado Rockies. You write for Purple Row. Um, yep. So my main questions, I, my main takeaways I want to get out of this segment is, how good are they going to be? Uh, how, how are they going to be good? And then, how are they going to hurt my poor Giants? That's what I want to know. Well, um... I think that the Rockies are still in a weird rebuilding stage. Um, I say weird because nothing at Coors is ever easy. Um, But they just seem to keep owning the Giants no matter what. So hopefully, as a Giants fan, that doesn't really happen again. But from a writing standpoint, I... I'm kind of indifferent, but it it just seems kind of expected that the Rockies are going to beat the Giants, and like it always seems that the Rockies have the Giants' number. The rough part is when they do it at AT&T Park. That's when yeah. it really hurts. <laughs> you kind of always expect it at Coors Field, and that never seems to disappoint. But Yeah. <laughs> but also, when the Giants have really really bad experiences in Colorado most of the time it's because the Giants are doing well that makes them so terrible and memorably terrible so I guess in a way we should be kind of rooting for some sort of terrible disaster series in Colorado or home to Colorado Um, because in 2014 there was that series where the Giants blew three consecutive games to get swept and they (laughs) it all worked out in the end but uh, yeah but well, the, the thing that stands out to me was uh, 2009 with Spielberg's Grand Slam. Well, yes. And by the way, Ryan Spielberg died, dines on that game to this day. Yeah. <laughs> so it was transitioning as a Rockies writer from being a Giants fan was a little weird because I always had that game in the back of my head. Um, but like. Everyone I work with is great, and they're all very knowledgeable about the Rockies and also um, very 
I guess, realistic about the outlook of the team right now. In, like, five years, they may be competitive, but right now it's just kind of, all right, let's see what will work. So I like to consider the national media sort of, they're like the generals, but the I think, like, the beat writers and even the bloggers, the fans, are a little bit more of, like, the, the troops on the ground, maybe even infantry, and have just different perspectives. The national perspective, and this... This even goes to people who, you know, they know the they know the Rockies a little bit better than just someone on ESPN or something. But sort of the consensus is that the Rockies might be trying to go back to what got to got them to the World Series, which was we we know we need good pitching, but let's not get so obsessed about having the best possible starters. Let's see if we can shorten the game and get a really strong bullpen. And, mm-hmm. and go there, does that, does that um, sort of belief nationally track with what you're seeing and the other writers at Purple Row with what the Rockies are actually doing? I can't speak for, obviously I can't speak for everyone um, at Purple Row, but from what I'm getting the sense of, it's just trying to field a good team, get a good bullpen, get a competent starting rotation um, and there was definitely a couple of good um, pitching prospects in the minor leagues right now. And then there's John Gray. Um, but there's still there's still a couple of kinks that need to be worked out. Well, you could say whatever you want about them. I doubt they're going to be listening to this podcast. Yeah. So you could but, characterize whatever you wanted. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's just more like. Trying to see if Eddie Butler will actually be a decent pitcher this year. Um, trying to get a one and two starter. Um, trying to get a solid bullpen. Those kinds of things. Um, I don't think. I don't think that position players are like. It's a big deal to try and get like the best ones because they have a bunch of guys competing for different positions. But there's also the question of whether or not Carlos Gonzalez um, is going to get traded. It seems like such a no-brainer, and I understand yeah. that you, if you trade him, because even if they trade him, they still have Arenado, and yeah. and so they still have a draw of some kind. And mm-hmm. just by virtue of playing in the park that they're in, the offense is going to be there, right? I don't think they're ever really that worried about losing offense. Yeah, uh, and like they have. They have a couple of guys who are going to be great outfielders. Well, I, from my own opinion, um, they're going to be above average, solid um, daily players in the outfield. So if they lose um, cargo now, it's not going to be, it's not going to hurt them in the long run. Sure. Do you think, uh, do you feel that they should have held on to Dickerson and tried to trade Blackman? Or do you think that the deal that they made was, was the best possible one, all things considered, trading I think, Dickerson. I think they could have gotten a little bit more from Dick, for Dickerson, but at the same time, knowing his recent injury history, like it makes sense. Um, and I don't think it was the worst possible thing they could have done. Um, and I think another factor in it was that uh, Blackman is also um, – like a little bit better than Dickerson. He was able to play in a lot more games. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, completely why, but um, 
he's also one of the guys who draws people to the park. Oh, well, see, I didn't even know that. See, I just yeah. learned something right there. Well, so, okay, so that makes sense. So holding on to people who are going to actually draw in a crowd, that, that makes some sense. Um, so they're going to just beat the Giants by the wackiness that they usually do, which is like, this isn't a good team until they play the Giants. That's sort of the long and short of it there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things where the Giants keep losing to bad teams when you don't understand why they'll lose to bad teams, but they do it anyway kind of like how the Padres will probably come in and, you know, take two out of three and wonder, how did we just lose two games to the Padres? <laughs> so do you think, who do you think will be the better team between the two, the Rockies or the Padres? Padres. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, that's, that's just from, actually, I just real, I just remember that they lost uh, Kimbrell, so. Could be a wash, actually. Um, I just keep thinking that the Padres have a little bit more upside in offense, um, a little bit more upside in pitching, but I don't think other teams going to do spectacular this year. Well, I guess my question, another way of putting my question was, do you think the Rockies will be in last place? And it sounds like uh, you're like, maybe. <laughs> it's definitely a maybe. Um I don't think they're going to lose 100 games, but it's certainly going to feel like that. <laughs> we didn't I just I'm just picturing the end of the year press conference. Well, we didn't lose 100 games, but it felt like it. <laughs> um, no one's going to use that slogan ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, okay, but uh, one last bit of Rocky news this week uh, it was announced that they're going to raise certain areas of the fence seven or eight feet to try to limit the offense. And to me, when I read that, I chuckled and I thought, well, that's just going to mean more doubles. I don't think that's going to necessarily curb offense too much. Um, I guess, I guess they're, in their mind, reducing home runs – is is all that matters. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. Um, I think that it's not going to be the dinger machine going off, um, which, by the way, I hate dinger. Um, and I, it's just going to be doubles everywhere. Um, and that won't necessarily mean that they score a run, you know, every time, but it's still an extra base hit. Right. Instead of nine to six, they'll be eight to five. Oh, my gosh. Um, but... Yeah, what, what's the thinking on Dinger? Because at least online, anyone I've encountered who claims to be a Rockies fan has followed it up very quickly with, I hate Dinger. Dinger is terrible. And so I, it seems now that the Rockies are doing it just out of stubbornness. He's not going anywhere for that reason. I, I've heard mixed things from Rockies fans. There are some who love him. Uh, there's some who hate him. Um, but my favorite one was from... Uh, friend of mine who is a Rockies fan and he said I hope Dinger goes the way of his ancestors <laughs> um, I hope that it's in the style of the TV show Dinosaurs where <laughs> Dinger's baby is asking Dinger what's going to happen to them and Dinger yeah. has to tell them that they're all about to die horribly <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, 
but I I have I just have a tendency to make fun of a lot of mascots. Um, well, they're like, there to be made fun of. I exactly. Mean, that's, that's part of it. Uh, but then there's someone like the Philly Fanatic, which is so great because that's all it exists to be is made fun of and make fun yeah. of things. So it can be done well. Uh, question, is this, uh, does this Rockies fan, a friend of yours, also like Full House? I actually have not talked to him in a while. Because uh, I was starting to think that someone who liked something corny and ridiculous like Dinger might like the revival of Full House, Fuller House, <laughs> um, which leads me into my next topic. Uh, I Grant Grant Brisby of McCovey Chronicles, he forced me to watch that Hunter Pence episode of Fuller House, and it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> It was dreadful. Uh, have you seen it? <laughs> no, I have not, and I probably never will. The only part of it that I felt I got any sort of actual enjoyment from was when they were shooting scenes at AT&T Park. It was during a game, and uh, someone online today said, it, or in the comments section of the article I wrote, said it was during... No, it was on Twitter. They said it was during Tim, Hitt, uh, Tim Hudson's last game. So oh. and this was during the seventh inning stretch. So I can't, and there's few ways to ruin that, but that's definitely one of them um, to have full house, fuller house, not even the original, the sequel <laughs> come yeah. in and shoot stuff. But in, when they were shooting those scenes in the background, there's a, there's a gay couple back there and they get mm-hmm. not like grotesquely handsy, like, inappropriately mm-hmm. handsy they just are touching each other <laughs> and doing a thing in the background and then there's a bit where in the show where they're putting dj on the kiss cam and that couple is still behind her and they start booing and have their thumbs down which i think is supposed to be like that's what they wanted them to do for the show but i think that couple was booing the kiss cams heteronormativity and it's yeah. garbageness. and so i enjoyed that aspect of it completely yeah um, because it was the only truly subversive or real element in it all. But um, yeah, it was really bad. It was really <laughs> bad. I don't recommend it. Not even for like watching people watch bad movies for fun. This is just bad. It's just bad. Uh, but that leads me to Hunter Pence, who is suffering, who's out, who was out all this week. I bet he'll miss maybe a couple of days next week too, but he's got this inflamed Achilles tendon, which the Giants are happy with because means there's no, like, it's not torn or anything. But it's inflammation. So, I mean, I I don't know if I've ever had an inflamed Achilles, but I've had a sore Mm -hmm. heel, like a bone bruise. And just anything down in that area just tends to linger for a long time. It's very painful. Um, And I'm not sure, you know, the Giants are, (laughs) their offensive depth in terms of power Mm -hmm. is pretty shallow. Um, they don't have a yeah. ballpark to rely on. But in any yeah. case, uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what it does. It at least gives Bochi a chance to see other guys play a little bit more, some more opportunity there. Yeah, um, definitely a good opportunity for Mac Williamson to step up. Right, which it sounded like at the beginning of spring training, Bochi had already categorized him as like, he's not a guy I'm thinking about for the Major League roster. Um mm-hmm. Which I found I found a little bit curious, 
Is it an age thing? Is it uh, is it just they just wanted to play AAA one more year? Yeah, that's I hadn't heard that before, um, but it would be really interesting, especially since it would mean that uh, Williamson would be repeating AAA and just getting a little bit older, playing in Sacramento. Um, I don't know if he still has anything left to develop, um, but he could be a guy who comes off the bench in San Francisco. Um, of course, it all depends on how he does the spring, but I don't know if Bochi should be ruling him out or not really um, putting him in the discussion for a bench guy at the very least. Yeah, I think I think it just comes back to probably wanting him. Yeah, see, Mac Williamson likely bound for AAA. I'm just going to quote the source real quick. But this was back. Uh, this was on Tuesday, the 23rd. Um, manager Bruce Bochy was unusually candid about one outfielder in camp. Bochy said that 25 year old Mac Williamson would be quote better served spending an entire season in AAA. So, interesting. Yeah, very interesting, especially since uh, Jarrett Parker, you know, seems to be Bochy's kind of favorite yeah. to be that backup, which I think is not a huge mistake, but it seems yeah. to kind of trend with that whole, like, old baseball school of knowledge, which is like, I saw him do well for a week, Yeah. so I believe that's there. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't remember seeing Jarrett Parker do well against breaking balls. So. Yeah. <laughs> So who knows? Yeah, I saw him do well against Barry Zito trying to throw a <laughs> slider by him. But, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. So, have you seen Mac Williamson play in person, uh, yes, live? Um, a lot. <laughs> and you you think he's ready to go? I think, like, I don't think a month or two of AAA would be bad for him by any means. But a full season, I think... My opinion is that I don't think that he should stay in AAA long enough to become a AAA stalwart. I think he deserves a chance in a corner outfield position somewhere because he, if anything, just for defense. He's a really good defensive outfielder. Um, If he can return to his San Jose Giants form where he just kept hitting and hitting then he'd be really valuable. But, um, of course, you know, Tommy John happened, but, you know, I don't think he would be, like, I don't think he'd be completely better served in AAA. But you're not seeing this as another Gary Brown situation? Please don't let this be another Gary Brown situation. Uh, that's actually what my fear was, that it would ah. become a, another Gary Brown situation. Well, Mac Williamson wears batting gloves at least, so <laughs> I'm okay. I'm still going to stay bullish on him. But as soon as I saw Gary Brown didn't wear batting gloves, I was like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we kept him. We should have traded him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. All right. Well, this is the time of the show. Well, good luck to Mac Williamson uh, getting over the hump with Bruce Bochy. Certainly. Yes. We all know that, that it's, that's a tough road to sled there or whatever the saying is anyway uh so we're gonna go to our twitter questions every week we ask we solicit twitter for questions you can ask us about anything very rare that anyone actually takes us up on non-baseball questions um but i'm gonna throw one out 
this or it's not about the Giants. How about that? Uh, it's going, and it's from at Scout Six at Scout underscore Six. He asks us, "I demand your stance on the Hank the Pup controversy. Do you know what this is?" Yes. What is it? <laughs> okay, so apparently, do you remember the story of Hank the Ballpark Pup, where um, they found the a, they found like an abandoned dog on the spring training field, and so the team just adopted him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So there is this conspiracy controversy. I don't know if it's real or not. That someone switched out Hank the dog with another dog that looks like Hank. Well, then how would they know that it was swapped out? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so then, what's the controversy? That the, the dog got a year older, but they think the Brewers did something. <laughs> Basically, it's that like old trick where say you're a little kid and you have a goldfish and then it dies and your parents swap it out for another goldfish and you think that it's still alive (laughs) so hank died this is a dark controversy we don't know what happened to hank (laughs) someone someone cornering the the, someone cornering ryan braun and being all like where's wallace where's hank (laughs) i don't like it's it's become such a big thing in baseball Twitter that people are legitimately worried about Hank. It's like, if they swapped out Hank, where did he go? But I don't even really remember the origin of this anymore. I think it was just an article somewhere saying, what about Hank? What if, did they swap him out? And I think it just started from one article somewhere thinking about that. And now it's gotten all the way up to the Brewers and like the beat writer, I think kind of went on something on Twitter about it. And yeah, it's a huge thing now. So, so the, someone just innocently asked, Hey, remember that thing we were all big about last year? Whatever happened to that dog? And then that (laughs) turned into, Oh my God, the dog died and they replaced him. Something like that. What the hell is wrong with people? <laughs> this is brain like, training. This, I guess so. It seems like though it's from like the same neural pathways that would come up with uh, Katy Perry as Jean Benet. Like yeah. that just seems like the same nutty mindset. I think. But... <laughs> I think it might have been a satirical post, but people took it seriously. Which <laughs> so then so then the neuroses of Twitter then yeah props up both theory. Okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, my stance on the Hank the Pup controversy officially, uh, you should go first because you were talking about it. Do you have a stance yeah. on this? <laughs> my stance is, please don't let it be like a goldfish. <laughs> or, or like a dread pirate, or like a dread pirate Robert situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would be okay with that, but, uh, I don't actually care either way. It's sad, but dogs die. Yeah. Um, things happen. I think we'd all appreciate if people were just honest about it. I don't see my stance is if the dog's dead, the brewers should have made a big deal about it. Like, yeah. cause it's, I, it's newsworthy per- for them. Personally. I don't think that Hank was swapped out or anything like that, because I think that the brewers would know better and actually let people know because Hank was such a big deal. Right. Um, but at the same time, I'm just like, why? Why is this a thing people talk talking about? It'd be weird if if Hank did die, had died, and they get caught, and they said, "Well, we didn't want to say anything because we didn't want to upset like the little kids." 
It'd be yeah. funny. It'd be funny because <laughs> because you could immediately then jump on that and say, "No little kids watch baseball. That's the problem." <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who watches baseball understands that dogs die. If you are really concerned about that, get younger fans. <laughs> so, then you can just turn it into a whole other discussion. Um, all right. Uh, here's a Giants question. Uh, Nick Stellini at Stellini tweets asks on a scale of one to Stephen Drew, how <laughs> confident are you in Angel Pagan? <laughs> in, on a scale of one to Stephen Drew. Yes. Huh. It's like uh, Angel ask... Pagan. <laughs> <laughs> Can I like... say I'm an Angel Pagan on that scale? <laughs> Uh, that's between one and Stephen Drew, I feel like. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you're an Angel Pagan on that scale. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say this, Angel Pagan, the last month of the season, did well. Yeah. Like, it really showed that if he got rest, he yeah. played well. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it's just the whether or not he will get that rest part, and the if he stays completely healthy part. I expect him not to stay completely healthy, but yeah. I think the rest thing is key. Yeah, but he's just gonna. It's just Bochi's gonna keep playing him as long as he says he's healthy, and yeah. all baseball players will always say they're healthy, exactly. which is which is I like that. I, I admire that about them, but I also would like they're gonna get paid either way. So it just mm-hmm. seems to me like some of the time they could be like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's a weird line. I'm not, I don't have a hard stance on this because I also don't really, you know, it's the culture of baseball. Sometimes you're going to pay, play through pain or some sort of injury. And I get that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily want the guys who are always like, oh, I slept funny. So I'm not going to play today. I just hope hope the Giants avoid more knife related injuries. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like not having Affelt's energy on the team is actually bad. So, yeah. So it's almost like someone has to pick up that mantle. Mm-hmm. Um, you just hope it's not the pitchers because they're desperate. They desperately need those pitchers to make their starts. So, yeah. <laughs> so if like Gorky's Hernandez is like a bit of a klutz, maybe that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> or or Jarrett Parker turns out to just like really. Pick it up. That'd be great. I mean, Matt Cain's still on the team, and he actually did slice his hand on a sandwich. <laughs> on the knife of the sandwich or on the sandwich? On the like, sandwich. Like the bread it's was been... so hard? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know how he managed to cut his hand on a sandwich with a knife. That's... <laughs> All right. Well, I want to. I don't have you much longer, so I want to... I want to get to the at least this last question, and then we'll play our game real quick. Yeah. So uh, the last question is from at Robert Hainer, H-A-N-E-R. Mm-hmm. What's your? Fa- I think it's a good question, so I'm asking it. What's your favorite baseball movie and book, and your favorite non-baseball movie and book? You can just pick book or movie. I don't think we need to do all four. Yeah. Um, hmm. Favorite baseball book or movie? Um, I really enjoyed. Man, um, I really like Bull Durham. Yeah, uh, League of Their Own, probably a tie between those two. Favorite book in general would probably be Last Night at the Lobster by Stuart Onan. Oh, that's a good one. 
Um, I would say, oh, baseball movie. I'm going to say A League of Their Own just because I can't think of it any other. <laughs> I watched Moneyball recently, and I really... I totally forgot about Moneyball. Moneyball is, is really good. great. It's a good movie. I think A League of Their Own is is, is great. It's got yeah. a really great drama, and it's funny, and it's really well done. And Filled with Dreams I, I like a lot too, but I yeah. guess I'll, I'll pick that. Um, yeah, my favorite, my top three favorite movies are not good choices, though, that are not baseball movies. Um, Ghostbusters, High Fidelity, and now I'm, I'm putting a new one in. It used to be Goodwill Hunting, but now it's Rocky. So. Uh, I have to agree about High Fidelity. That's a good movie. But my list would probably be Almost Famous, Short Term 12, and Rebel Without a Cause. All great choices. Um, and you're going to see Room I Saw that you hadn't seen that yes. yet. Yes, I'm going to see it soon. Have a box of tissues nearby. Yeah. So that's very <laughs> sad. Uh, all right, so that, those are our Twitter questions. Every week you can ask us. Now we're going to play a real quick game. Hunter Pence was in a 90s TV show, Revival. Take your favorite baseball player and tell us what favorite show uh, from the 90s of yours that you'd like to see him in and what would he be doing in it. What would be his role? Hunter Pence played Stephanie Tanner's uh, boyfriend. And uh, and so, like, you know, do you want Barry Bonds to be in Seinfeld doing what? So, you know, that kind of thing. I would have to say that I'd like to see Madison Bumgarner on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> With a cow. With a cow. Yes. <laughs> Just walking through the promenade. Exactly. Stopping by Quarks. Odo giving him, you know, giving him the business. Like For asking, having a cow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so he'd be friends of like Jake's and uh, yeah. and uh, Odo would be grilling him. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I can see that scene. That's a great, that's a great one. <laughs> um, I'd love to see... Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see Buster Posey on um, on Cheers mm. uh, because I'd like him to just be like the golden boy who's yeah. kind of stuck there waiting for a ride, and like mm-hmm. Sam Malone is is like trying to figure out how he can be so good and in baseball at the same time. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then like he ends up hooking up with like Carla at the end or something because <laughs> he needs a taste of the wild side. Exactly. That's it. That's my hacky sitcom. Um, all right. Uh, where can we find uh, your stuff? Anything you want to plug right now? Um, you can find most of my stuff linked on my Twitter, which is at Jen Mac Ramos. Um, I almost always link whatever I write on there. Uh, tweet about my capstone quite a bit. Um, but yeah, that's probably the best place to find me. Great. And again, about your capstone, if you know anyone who's a high school student who has signed with an agent and is headed for a division one school should get in touch with you. Yes, definitely. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Jen. Have fun at the game. Good Thank luck with you. your capstone. Thank All you. Right. We'll be back next week.